Welcome to the On Centerline Podcast, a show where we discuss the trials and tribulations of learning to fly from both the student and flight instructor perspectives. We feature real aviators in all different chapters of their careers, talking about the things we all deal with but rarely discuss. So join us as we take on the challenges, hardships, and celebrations that pave the runway to being a professional aviator as we strive to stay on centerline. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, It's been a little while. It's been a little while since uh, I've been able to record anything and publish anything and we're right in the middle of this ACS uh, private pilot review uh, series and uh, I've been meaning to get the rest of these sections done and it's just been a little bit crazy, you know, if not, uh, it's it's slowed down from a flying standpoint, of course, uh, with uh, fall and winter coming in here in the Pacific Northwest, we haven't been able to fly as much, but I've still been keeping pretty busy and uh, of course with the holidays coming up, things have been a little crazy, so just haven't gotten around to uh, doing as much as I'd like to, but We are going to knock out another section today. This is probably going to be a two-part section uh, because it is a little bit more involved and we're going to be jumping into weather information. This is the ACS Task C. So uh, without further ado, we got a lot to get into. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Private Pilot ACS Task C, weather information. Now, the nice thing about this is that it's going to apply basically to the private pilot. It's also going to apply to the instrument pilot. It's going to apply to the commercial pilot. So I may not even re-record this section when it comes to uh, time to do the instrument pilot ACS and the commercial pilot ACS because it's really all the same stuff. But uh, let's go ahead and read the objective here. And the objective is to determine that the applicant exhibits satisfactory knowledge, risk management, and skills associated with weather information for a flight under VFR. All right, our knowledge items. The applicant demonstrates understanding of sources of weather data, e.g. National Weather Service, Flight Service, uh, for flight planning purposes. All right, so let's just uh, start there. Sources of weather data. Now, uh, there's a big thing, a word kind of term that gets thrown around, and that is, quote unquote, approved sources of weather data. What is considered approved? Well, to make it simple and to keep it easy, basically, if you just stick to aviationweather.gov, you're never going to go wrong right? That is the official government aviation weather site. Now, there are other uh, sources of information that you can use that are considered uh, valid or approved, um, but they all really get their information from the same place. And that's really the key is where does the information come from? And where it really should come from is either the National Weather Service, NWS, and or the NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The information you see on aviationweather.gov is basically pulled from these two sources, the National Weather Service and NOAA, NOAA. So any third party that also pulls their information directly from the NWS or NOAA, 
could be considered a approved source because it's all coming from the same place. It's just third-party applications that put the information together for you. One of those common ones would be ForeFlight. ForeFlight can be an approved weather information service because it just pulls the information straight from those those two sources and from aviationweather.gov. All right. You know, Windy is a great app. And if you're not familiar with Windy, uh, I highly suggest you check it out. Windy.com or just search Windy on um, on the App Store. But Windy pulls its information from those sources as well. So while I wouldn't stick to just Windy as a primary source or, or just Windy by itself, I would always uh, cross check and compare information from all sources, from Windy, from ForeFlight, from aviationweather.gov. You can even just go straight to the National Weather Service site um, or, of course, 1-800-WXBrief.com, which is our flight service. So if we've now established what approved weather sources look like, what would an unapproved weather source look like? Well, basically, that's just going to be your 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 weather app on your phone, right? It's it's just uh, your 10-day forecast that you look up on, on Apple Weather or whatever. Now, the thing is, is that it's not that this information is invalid, and it's not that you should not use it. I use the weather app on my phone all the time uh, for at least a surface kind of uh, level view of what the weather is going to be, right? But it generally doesn't dive in and give you the details. So while you might look at the 10-day forecast and say, oh, it's going to be sunny on Thursday, you know, it's a great place to start, but there might be more to it that you need to dive into. And that's where all the information that you can gather uh, from aviationweather.gov and such with uh, prog charts and icing forecasts and, of course, your air mets and sig mets and all those things um, those are those are the things that aren't going to be given to you in your standard weather app. All right, so I think that covers sources of weather data. Bottom line is it needs to come from either the National Weather Service or NOAA. And again, you'll never go wrong with just sticking to aviationweather.gov or 1-800-WXBrief.com, which is your flight service website. All right, our next line item, acceptable weather products and resources required for pre-flight planning current and forecast weather for departure, en route, and arrival phases of flight. So remember all the detail items I just mentioned, how your your weather app on your phone just kind of gives you the surface level, but to get all those other things, all those other products like prog charts and sigmets and airmets and icing forecasts and winds aloft and all those, those are the products that we're talking about here. And we need to make sure that when we're looking at, for instance, winds, we don't just look uh, on our weather app on our phone and say, okay, the winds uh, say it's 10 miles an hour or whatever from the south. It might, it might be, but a more precise and acceptable piece of information would be looking at the METAR for your local airport, right? Getting that wind data straight from the METAR at the airport would be a more acceptable product and source of information than just what the weather app is saying when the winds are that day. Knowing how to use all these products and what they're used for is going to be paramount, not just for you to be successful on your check ride, but for you to be successful and safe as a pilot. 
knowing the difference between a weather advisory and a weather forecast. For instance, an airmet is not a forecast. An airmet is an advisory. It's just a warning. And I want you to quote this from me, quote unquote, an airmet is a warning that conditions may exist. It is not a forecast and you should not treat it as a forecast. You should treat it as what it is, which is an advisory or a warning and look at other pieces of information, other products like icing forecasts, right? You might have an icing airmet, but you won't know how much that applies to you unless you look at the icing forecasts or the winds and temperatures aloft in your area. All right, our next line item is our meteorology applicable to the departure, en route, alternate, and destination under VFR in visual meteorological conditions to include expected climate and hazardous conditions such as. All right, <laughs> that was a mouthful. So we're just going to basically go through this is, you know, this is one line item, but it's got subparts, right? And it's all these subparts that really get uh, into the details. All right, so this is uh, subpart A. Atmospheric composition and stability. Now, I'm going to preface all this by saying I'm not going to be able to tell you everything that you need to know or or how to use all of the information that I'm going to be talking about in this podcast. It's going to be incumbent upon you to go out and study and ask your CFI and learn about this stuff. I'm just going to make mention of what the items are and what the information is that you need to be familiar with, but it's too difficult to get into detail in an audio format such as a podcast. You need to be able to look at these charts and look at these forecasts to understand what they what they are and what they're looking uh, what you're looking for. All right, so line item A, atmospheric composition and stability. So for all of the things that we're going to be talking about in regards to weather, I encourage you to reference the Aviation Weather Handbook. This is a free document published by the FAA, just like the Airplane Flying Handbook or the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge. They're all free materials that you can download straight from the website, uh, the FAA website, or in, in my case, I just get them, download them straight through ForeFlight. We'll be back after a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. And we can look in the Aviation Weather Handbook. And starting with the composition of the Earth's atmosphere. Well, you really only need to understand the composition on a basic level. And really, if we read straight from uh, Chapter 4, this is uh, 4.2 in the Aviation Weather Handbook, Composition, this is basically all you really need to know as far as the composition. It says the Earth's atmosphere consists of numerous gases with nitrogen, 
oxygen, argon, and carbon dioxide, making up 99.998% of all gases. Nitrogen, of course, is by far the most common. It goes on to say that nitrogen dilutes oxygen and prevents rapid burning at the Earth's surface. So if we're looking at just a percentage like a pie chart of the composition of the atmosphere, basically we have about 78% nitrogen, 20% oxygen or 21% oxygen, and then uh, 1% of argon and, and just other gases, very, very small amounts of other gases. Okay. So that's, that's really what uh, we're talking about when we talk about the composition of the atmosphere. So then we get into atmospheric stability. And when we're talking about atmospheric stability, we will often refer to an air parcel and what the, what the status or the state of a parcel of air is. And here the definition of a parcel or an air parcel is an air parcel is an imaginary volume of air to which any or all of the basic properties of atmospheric air may be assigned. Okay. So it's just a, you could just think of it as a unit of air. Okay. But it's a big unit. It's a unit on a very large scale. Now I'm not going to read through the whole chapter or anything here, but Things that you should be familiar with, you should be familiar with the different layers of the atmosphere, particularly the troposphere. The troposphere is the lower layer of the atmosphere closest to Earth in which all weather happens, okay? And that's basically where we do all of our flying. So um, the troposphere is very important to be familiar with. Uh, above that, we've got the stratosphere. Above that, the mesosphere. And then finally, above that, the thermosphere. All right, so being familiar with the different layers of the atmosphere is going to come in handy, especially as you get into instrument training and you're really diving into the subject of weather, uh, the tropopause, and things like that. All right, so moving on to atmospheric stability, let's take a look at what the Aviation Weather Handbook says about atmospheric stability. And again, I'm not going to be able to get into all the details or, or the knowledge and information you're going to need to know, but there are some great YouTube videos out there on weather in general and specifically on the subject of atmospheric stability. So I encourage you all to just jump on YouTube, type in aviation weather, type in atmospheric stability. You will find some great resources uh, that really spell it out for you. So here it is straight from the Aviation Weather Handbook. Atmospheric stability is the property of the ambient air that either enhances or suppresses vertical motion of air parcels and determines which type of clouds and precipitation a pilot will encounter. So as you may or may not know, in general, we, you know, we have different types of clouds and clouds are your friend. And what I mean by that is clouds are your view into the condition of the atmosphere at any given time. If you can see clouds, you can gain a lot of information just visually as to what's going on up in the atmosphere and what you might expect should you make the decision to go fly that day. Put simply, you know, we, we, we talk about cumulus clouds, we talk about stratus clouds. Our cumulus clouds are our big, puffy, cotton ball looking clouds where our stratus clouds are more the flat, boring, featureless uh, clouds. 
Here in the Pacific Northwest, we will often have stratus clouds. It's not uncommon. Uh, the majority of the clouds that we get around here usually are of the stratus variety. And anytime you see stratus clouds, uh, you can expect that the stability of the atmosphere is fairly stable because that would indicate there is a lack of vertical movement in the atmosphere. Whereas conversely with the cumulus clouds, those clouds become poofy and cotton ball looking because of the vertical movement that is present. As the air rises, the clouds rise with that air, that parcel of air. The moisture in the air cools and condenses, forming more clouds. And that's what you get, those vertically developed cumulus clouds, which under the right conditions can grow into clouds with significant vertical development and form, of course, thunderstorms and cumulonimbus clouds, uh, which we definitely want to stay away from as pilots. You'll want to make sure you know the basic traits of a stable atmosphere versus an unstable atmosphere. As an example, a stable atmosphere, you can expect uh, a smooth ride. You, you can expect that there probably won't be much turbulence, but you can also expect that visibility may not be as great. Without vertical movement of the atmosphere, all the particles kind of settle down and don't really get moved around and it can create a lower visibility than with an unstable atmosphere. The unstable atmosphere has all that vertical movement, which moves particles up and out of the way and uh, in general will create better visibility. But of course, it might be a little bit more turbulent on those days. You'll want to know ways that you can measure or get a measurement of the stability of the atmosphere. And you'll want to know what weather products will give you that information. So the most common measurements of stability uh, would include what's called the lifted index, LI, and the convective available potential energy, which is CAPE, C-A-P-E. Now the lifted index, and I'm just reading this straight from the Aviation Weather Handbook, the lifted index is the temperature difference between an air parcel, usually at the surface, lifted adiabatically, and the temperature of the environment at a given pressure, usually 500 millibars in the atmosphere. I know that sounds like a lot of jargon and, and you might not understand it, but basically when you're looking at the lifted index chart, a positive value, so a positive number, indicates a stable column of air. And on the chart, uh, generally it's depicted with dark gray colors. So, so lack of color, actually, it's just gray, uh, black and white, um, but darker gray. And then as you get to zero, and as you get into negative numbers, that's when the atmosphere is becoming less and less stable. And the more colorful the chart is, when you actually get blues and greens and yellows and reds, that's when you're really getting into unstable territory. And finally, in regards to the differences between the lifted index and the convective available potential energy uh, reports, uh, it just says here that the lifted index is generally used in thunderstorm forecasting. However, CAPE is generally considered a superior measurement of instability, but lifted index is easier to determine, at least without using a computer. All right. Lots of uh, lots of just words there. Bottom line is be familiar with where you can find these products. 
If you do a Google search for lifted index, you can usually find a, a product to show you that. I don't believe it is a product that's available on aviationweather.gov. At least I've never been able to find it on there. Uh, but maybe it's been added in most in the, the recent update. All right, let's move on. So our next line item is wind. And it says wind, e.g. crosswind, tailwind, wind shear, mountain wave, etc. So wind might seem fairly straightforward. And in some ways it is compared to uh, other weather topics. But bottom line, just like it kind of states here, we need to understand wind in all of its forms. We need to understand, of course, what it means to have a crosswind or a tailwind uh, and what it means when we are landing or taking off with a crosswind or tailwind. And that kind of bleeds into our performance side of things too, which we will be getting into in another episode. But we need to know the uh, characteristics and what to expect when flying in those wind conditions. And then, of course, wind shear. Let's talk about what is wind shear. Well, wind shear is simply a sudden change in wind direction and or velocity. So you might hit wind shear climbing out from an airport as you climb from the surface up through different altitudes. Generally, wind or air is slowed down by friction with the surface. Uh, which can also cause wind to change directions at the surface. But once you get a few hundred feet off the ground or higher, that wind is not inhibited by things on the ground anymore and therefore can go a lot faster. It might also be going a different direction. And that's why it's not uncommon to experience some turbulence on windy days, especially when climbing out of an airport that usually calms down once you get a couple thousand feet up in the air. But the more varied terrain that is around you, whether it's hills or mountains or valleys or anything like that, uh, the more that the wind is going to be affected and possibly at higher altitudes as well. That's where mountain wave uh, turbulence comes into play as well. And, and knowing how mountains and hills interact and affect the wind is very important. Because at that point, the wind doesn't just turn into a lateral force. It's not something that's just pushing you from the side. As it goes up and down over mountains and hills, it becomes a vertical force. And you can find yourself in a severe downdraft or updraft, depending on which side of the uh, hills or mountains you're on. And uh, depending on what type of plane you're in and how strong it is, you may not be able to outclimb. Uh, those conditions. So it can create a very hazardous environment, along with the fact that as the wind rolls off the back of mountains and hills, it be becomes very turbulent, uh, which can throw you around quite violently uh, in the right conditions. All right, moving on to our next line item, temperature. Temperature. You know, temperature is probably one of the single most important aspects of weather that really gets taken for granted largely. But what you got to remember is what is weather? Why does weather happen? Well, weather happens due to one thing and one thing only. It happens because of the uneven heating of the earth's surface by the sun. If the earth was always heated perfectly evenly or not heated at all, 
there would be no weather. So weather comes about strictly because of the uneven heating of the Earth's surface by the sun. And that's directly related to temperature. When air gets warmer, the molecules get more excited. They're bouncing around. They're moving around. They rise. They create unstable conditions. That warm air wants to get on top of the cooler air above it. And remember, it's not the air itself being warmed by the sun. It's radiative heat from the sun warming the surface of the earth that then warms the air just above the surface of the earth. So as the earth gets heated unevenly, obviously getting hotter, for instance, over a paved parking lot versus over a lake or a large body of water, the air over those two surfaces is going to be heated differently and unevenly. So the warm air is going to want to rise. The cooler air is going to move in to replace it, causing a circular kind of pattern or kind of motion, uh, which is basically what is responsible for onshore or offshore winds, what causes air or wind to blow from the land out to sea or from the sea onto the land. So temperature really affects pretty much every single thing that we talk about or deal with when it comes to weather. It is what forms storms. It is what creates winds. It is what creates ice or lack of, lack of heat is what creates ice. So everything we deal with is because of temperature. So you want to understand surface temperatures as it relates to density altitude and your performance of your airplane, which we're going to be talking about again in a future episode. You're going to want to know temperatures aloft where the freezing level is, and how the temperature lapse rate affects the stability of the atmosphere. All right, guys, one more for this part one episode of weather, and then uh, we'll save the rest for part two. But our next line item is weather system formation, including air masses and fronts. So again, I can't stress enough, tons of great resources on YouTube about this stuff. Just search for aviation weather. You'll learn all about air masses, warm fronts, cold fronts, high pressure systems, low pressure systems. Okay. These are all things that cause the formation of weather systems. And we see this information on prognostic charts. Okay. A prognostic chart is that big overarching view of the whole country it's the big picture view of why the weather is what it is when i ask my students i say you know anytime we have to cancel a flight due to weather i ask them why did we have to cancel our flight today and they'll usually tell me something like oh well because the clouds are low or because it's raining or because it's windy and i'll be like okay yes anybody can figure that out just by looking out the window but i want to know why why are the clouds low? Why is it raining? Why is it windy? What is happening on a in the big picture uh, sense to cause these uh, effects here where we are? And so looking at the prognostic chart, just like a doctor makes a prognosis of, of a, a symptom or, or of an ailment that a um, patient has, we can make a prognosis of the weather by looking at the prognostic chart. So going into your checkride and certainly beyond 
because this is the type of information that if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And sadly, I think most people, once they pass a checkride, forget all about this and they may never look at it again. But the prognostic charts are so invaluable. You need to know every single thing on that chart. What a high pressure system looks like, what a low pressure system looks like, what all the fronts look like. But more importantly, what does it mean when a low pressure system is passing through your area? What does it mean when there's a stationary front in your area or an occluded front? What is an occluded front? Most people don't know, okay? But you need to know what each front, what what uh, weather each front is associated with, what you could expect. What is an isobar? What do we use isobars for? What does an isobar represent? And what does its relationship to other isobars indicate? And how can you interpret that data to help you? You need to know how uh, these air masses move. How does air behave around a high pressure system? How does it behave around a low pressure system? And how can you use that information to your advantage in your flight planning and the safety of your flight? All right, guys, I hope this has been helpful. This is just part one of the weather information. We're going to break it up into two parts here. I'll have part two coming out hopefully soon in which we will cover the rest of the line items here. Uh, before moving on to the next section of our private pilot ACS. I hope this has been helpful for you as you prepare for your private pilot checkride, and we will see you next time on Centerline. <laughs>